Hey, beer nerds, and welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 20th, 2016, 420. This is episode six. Today I'm going to be speaking with um, Garrett Marrero. He's the founder and president of Maui Brewing Company. Uh, before then, uh, before we get to that, I just uh, wanted to thank everybody uh, for subscribing and, and rating me on iTunes. That, that does really go a long way in helping to attract other breweries. Um, we are also on the newly featured Google Play. They just introduced podcasting capabilities. So if you're on an Android and if that's more convenient to you, feel free to uh, subscribe us on there. Uh, as always, if you have a if you have an idea for a brewery, uh, you can tweet me at MolarMD. Uh, if you are a brewery and you think that you have an interesting story to share, you can do the same, MolarMD. Now let's head on over to Hawaii. All right, now we're going way over to the island of Maui. We're speaking with Garrett Marrero. He is the founder and president of the Maui Brewing Company. Um, Garrett, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. It's always... Uh... Always nice to get on the phone and talk about beer. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, can I say aloha, or would that be kind of lame and, and tacky? Or do people no, like absolutely. To say it? Uh, no, aloha is how we greet each other here. That definitely, it's uh, you're, you're welcome to say it. Okay. Well, well, aloha. Um, aloha. So, hey, I, I know there's a lot of cool future plans, and, and we'll get to that pretty soon. Um, but at the same time, let's let's rewind the clocks a little bit a little bit back to about maybe the year 2004. Uh, what? Where were you, and what were you doing? Sure. Uh, 2004, uh, I had already been bit by the bug that I wanted to open a brewery, uh, but I was working in San Francisco at the time as an investment consultant, uh, financial uh, advisor, and was just trying at that point to plot my move on how I could... how I could tie things up so that I could actually move to Hawaii and start this this wonderful business. Why Hawaii? Uh, Why not Hawaii? Uh, You know, for anybody who's ever been here, place you know and I I remember setting foot on Maui the very first time feeling like oh my god this is the best place on earth and you know eventually this is where I need to retire and after a few more trips here it just kind of came to why can't I go now and and what can I do that would allow me to you know grow my career but at the same time uh, you know do something that I loved and be on Maui and uh, beer beer made sense so uh, being here and drinking what I thought was local beer, finding out that it was in fact actually made in the mainland and shipped back here, I realized that there was no question that uh, creating an authentic local product uh, would be the, the you know the answer to my uh, my vision, if you will. Okay, um, can you tell me a little bit about your facility? Uh, yeah, sure. Now uh, it's it's a lot different than it was when we started. Uh, you know, back in '05, we started January 28th, '05. Actually, uh, we had a seven-barrel uh, system, uh, very small brew pub system in in a brew pub in a functioning brew pub. So we had the restaurant business to support as well. Um, and then we grew in 2007 into a 25-barrel, two-vessel brew house, uh, basically a large brew pub system uh, in Lahaina. At that time, was about 5,000 square feet. So we had the two locations operating. Uh, and then in 2012, we started building. 2013, actually, we broke ground and started building our production facility that we're in now, which is a 42,000 square foot uh, large production brewery with tasting room. Uh, we have two four vessel brew houses here and uh, a lot of room to grow. Okay. 
Um, now, go, going back to the actual location, is, is there something, besides location, is there something about your brewery that makes it, you know, Hawaiian beer, or, is it just happen, or does it just happen to be a beer that's made in Hawaii? Sure. Well, I, th- I think there's, you know, a, lo- a lot of arguments over that, uh, that exact issue. Uh, you know, one of them being that, you know, of course, you know, our beer is made in Hawaii, which makes it Hawaiian. Uh, you know, but the, the largest component of beer is water, of course, and sure. we do use uh, local water, of course. Uh, you know, of course, we have to filter for particulate, and we also have to, um, you know, treat it to, to remove chlorides and fluorides, much like any brewery around the country does. Uh, however, we also set ourselves apart by using a lot of local ingredients in our beer. Now, of course, there's not malting houses, there aren't hop fields, we don't have the environment or the acreage, uh, and it wouldn't be cost effective, especially to grow those ingredients here in the quantities that we use them. So we do have to bring in all of our malted barley, again, much like any other brewery around the world, uh, as well as our hops uh, that don't grow in this climate very well. So, you know, we tend to do things like take an American wheat and we use Maui Gold Pineapple. Uh, We're very well known for the coconut porter. We're the first commercial coconut beer. Hmm. So, you know, producing a great robust porter but using hand-toasted coconut uh, inspired by this little lady who used to have this uh, candy stand up on the road to Hana. Uh, After eating that candy, it was like, oh, we got to brew a beer with this. So, you know, we try to influence our traditional beer recipes with local agricultural products to really showcase some of what Hawaii is about. Okay. So, I mean, you already mentioned uh, some of the, like, the molten barley and everything. Um, Besides that, being away from the mainland, are there other certain disadvantages that you have to face that maybe other breweries don't? Yeah, everywhere else in the world probably, with, with few exceptions, probably more, uh, much simpler to brew and much more cost effective. Uh, you know, on top of the ingredient costs, we also have uh, huge shipping costs because we do have to ship in from the mainland, uh, you know, the, the containers of grain and, and hops and et cetera. Um, you know, we have some of the highest cost of employment in the country. We have some of the, actually the highest cost of electricity the highest cost of CO2 and the highest cost of insurance in the country, coupled with uh, the second highest alcohol tax in the country. Why, why insurance? Uh, what's that? Why, why uh, the highest insurance? Uh, well, it's just, just the insurance costs here are high. <laughs> I don't oh, know okay. why. Okay. And believe me, I've asked my, uh, my uh, insurance broker, and I can't stand more than five minutes of dealing with insurance, so I, I just let other people deal with that now. <laughs> After doing business, put it that way. Okay. Um, you know, and a lot of that, a lot of the insurance that I'm talking about is more, you know, um, Affordable Care Act driven type stuff that oh, has okay. uh, certainly raised our prices and or raised our costs substantially, uh, decreased coverage. And you know, the funny thing is, we were actually, as Hawaii as a state was already uh, further along, the, Amer- the Affordable Care Act actually ended up hurting Hawaii in, in our opinion. But oh. uh, hmm. we had better coverage before. So, you know, but we, we, we take it as a, we take it in stride. You know, it's important to us that, you know, for our employees, you know, we didn't need that mandate to tell us we needed to give insurance to our employees. We, we care about our team and our team gets great benefits just from being part of our team. That's our, one of our founding principles is to, you know, treat everyone like the, uh, as part of the Ohana here at Maui Brewing. And, you know, we have 103 employees now and we wouldn't be Maui Brewing without every one of them. So... Uh, it's important that we, uh, you know, we recognize that. Okay, excellent. Um, now, go, going back to you here for a little bit, uh, outside sure. of Maui, 
you um you teamed up with some good guys over at Stone Brewing Company and, and you created the Maui Stone um, craft beverages. What yep. what inspired you to do that? And can you tell me a little bit more about it? Uh, and just just for uh, those of us that don't know. Sure, um, Maui Stone Craft Beverages. It's really simple. It's a, a joint venture between my good friends Greg and Steve over at Stone uh, and ourselves here at Maui Brewing uh, to create a craft beer wholesaler by craft brewers for craft brewers. So you know we we saw the opportunity to do something different here because the distribution choices were pretty slim, uh, as they are in a lot of environments, uh, particularly here in a. In a you know, traditionally lower craft beer segment. Uh, you know, Hawaii is just really, we really ramped up, of course, in the importance of craft beer here uh, since we've been on the scene. But when we first started, craft beer was, you know, what is that? No one knew. And so we've had to do a lot of education. Because of that, there, there was lacking a, a great distribution uh, partner to use for um, bringing other craft beers to the state. Now, we actually, when we started canning in 2007, we self-distributed on Maui, uh, and then we partnered with another wholesaler uh, late the next year in order to go to the neighbor islands. Um, Maui Stone was a, a way to bring over Stone, Avery, Oscar Blues, Anthem, Wandering Angus, um, Bear Republic, uh, you know, we have 21 brands, I believe, in our portfolio that are all world-class craft brands, and, um, you know, we give them an avenue here to distribute that wasn't available before. Yeah, so, uh, so, essentially, what, so essentially what you're saying is that if you had not, in, in, you know, 2004, 2005, decided to go to Maui, Maui still might not have those 21 accounts there. Um, it absolutely wouldn't. There's huh. just, uh, it'd be very difficult, that's for sure. That's cool. Um, you, you've, we, you've absolutely changed the face of uh, Maui. Yeah. Absolutely, and you know, it created more jobs. It kept you know more more revenue here, but we we were able to do it in a way that uh, you know really bolstered each one of our partners. And you know, Greg and I were having coffee one morning out on my lanai over Christmas, and you know, I was I was talking about potentially selling my rights to distribution because I was self distributing at the time, you know, to finance a project, or I was getting to the point where it was big enough where it was taking so much time management that we were going to have to spin off and create a whole separate craft beer wholesaler. So I was looking at one of those two options. And, you know, when, when Greg piped up and said, hey, well, why don't we do it together? You know, that's kind of what we did in San Diego. You know, then we had uh, great partners that I, I trust completely. And uh, we've obviously worked well with over the last, you know, 10 years of us, 11 years plus actually of us being in business. Um, so it was just, was like, hey, it's basically two buddies having coffee in the morning, <laughs> and we decided to start a distribution company. So, okay, um, kind of a segue into that, and this is this is a question that I um, I usually like to ask, and it goes something along the lines of, you know, if you were the, the czar of the beverage industry, what would be one liquor law that you've already changed? But uh, the truth of the matter is, you've already changed quite a few yourself. Um, which yeah. law are you most proud of, and are there any other laws that you want to get changed? Uh, those are great questions, actually. Um, I could pull out my list. Um, no, I, I think in, in truth, though, here in Hawaii, we've been really fortunate to have the support of uh, both state and federal representatives uh, and senators. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't talk about it without saying that Senator Baker here in Hawaii has been extremely supportive of small business and, and particularly understanding, I think, seeing early on that our industry was going to grow 
and that making a change early on was going to allow that industry to take foothold. Uh, both her and Representative McKelvey were, were key uh, key partners in doing that. Um, one of the first laws we changed, which I think is one I'm very proud of, is allowing growlers. You know, we couldn't sell beer from the brew pub to take from the restaurant. So you could consume it on site, but we couldn't sell you a keg and we couldn't sell you a growler and we couldn't sell you whether it be a can or, or a bottle. So to being able to package as a brew pub, um, as a brewery here, really definitely made a huge impact. Um, and I'd say probably the second most I'm proud of, I'm probably right online with the first really, um, is removing the barrelage restriction. So brew pubs are no longer restricted to any uh, maximum barrelage. So we can produce six barrels or we can produce 60,000 barrels. It doesn't matter. Um, and then a recent one that we did change a couple of years ago was to allow create a new class of license that allows a brewery or winery or distillery, a properly licensed one at least, to be able to brew beer, distill spirits, or make wine, which for us would mean cider and meads. We're not interested oh, okay. in making wine currently. Uh, you know, so for us, though, we are going to be putting in a distillery, so it allows us to continue to grow our local operations and, and our local products and diversify that product line, but also give fans of Maui Brewing something else to try, like potentially our whiskey or our gin or our rum, uh, that will allow us to continue to grow as well with again, sourcing local products to turn into uh, value-added agricultural things that, that tourists and residents can enjoy. Okay. What uh, what stubborn law is still there that hasn't been changed yet that you'd like to see changed? Um, kind of jokingly, uh, I would say the dancing, because no dancing on Maui. Uh, it's a little bit of footloose <laughs> going on here. Um, in truth, it's only dancing when you have a drink in your hand, uh, and that can even be just kind of shaking it side to side while you're humming a tune, uh, just really is up to the discretion of the enforcement. Um, that one definitely needs to go because it's just stupid that we even regulate it. Uh, but the, definitely the one that I think holds a lot of the smaller craft brewers behind here is the uh, liquor tax. Uh, liquor tax, $2.09 a case. Uh, we have an asinine separation in how we pay tax. We have package versus draft. So the same beer, if it's in a keg, is $0.54 cents a gallon versus in a can, it's 93 cents a gallon. Huh. Um, so it actually, if you think about it, it's a, it's, a negative re- it's a negative for any brewer who wants to then package beer. They would rather go into draft than package, but it's easier for them to get into package in stores than it is to get on handles in Hawaii. So um, it actually slows their growth by having that penalty. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. Another one too, the draft I mean if I, if I was to ask you what draft beer is you'd be like oh yeah anything that comes out of a keg sure. in Hawaii it's anything that comes out of a keg seven gallons or larger Ooh. so a six when we're pouring six paying package tax on it so that also is fairly restrictive and, and prohibitive to the growth of particularly the smaller craft brewers dollar wise it affects us more but when you're getting starting starting out, every every penny really counts, right? And we at least have the, the larger volumes and, and the export that helps carry that. Um, but it is something that's just, like I said, asinine. So what are what are the next steps that you have to take in order to get that changed? Um, just more hard work, uh, writing more legislation, lobbying. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, we've kind of taken a taken a back seat to doing some of those things because we've been so focused on the new brewery. Um, it's a blessing and a curse to be the largest craft brewer in Hawaii because 
not only are we the ones that everyone looks to for advice and, and to kind of champion these things, uh, but I'm also the most experienced mm-hmm. here uh, from an operational standpoint. And I have the most direct connections to the legislature, and um, that almost always by default makes me the front man to go do that work uh, individually. We have formed the Hawaiian Craft Brewers Guild, hmm. and I think that, that this year we finally have our um, our charter and everything really strong. We have almost 100% membership of the local craft brewers. And how many, and how many, how many would that be? Uh, that would make it 12 at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's been a lot that have opened up in just the past two years. And these are all small, you know, Everything from nano to five barrel. There's actually a couple that I think are, I want to say just a 10 or 15 barrel system. He's a 15 barrel. So I think the biggest of the, the new brewers is, uh, well, actually, no, the biggest is 25 barrels because I, I sold them my old system. Hmm. So um, and actually, I sold them the whole brewery, just uh, turnkey. So um, on, in, our, in our old facility in Lahaina, there's a new brewery startup doing, uh, making some nice beers over there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. You know, we we believe what we say, you know, when we preach about craft beer supporting each other, we we believe it. We're not uh worrisome about bringing a competitor, you know, into the marketplace. If anything, it's just two more people talking about craft beer over, you know, Bud Miller Coors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what did they say the rising tide lifts all boats? It does. And in, in 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 most in most situations in craft it does. Yeah. All right, so uh moving on to some a uh, little bit more, you know, laid back questions. What uh what was the last beer that you drank that wasn't your own? Uh, last beer I drank that wasn't my own. Uh, that's a question. I know it was just a couple of days ago too, but um, I'd say it's probably the most memorable one I had in the past few. Sure, yeah. Past week, let's say. Uh, yeah, let's Cable say Car by Tommy Arthur uh, over at Lost Abbey. Um, I broke out a whale and you know, I had some friends visiting and figured a nice special bottle would be great. And so we, we brought out Cable Car. Uh, it was a 2011 Cable Car. Huh, okay. Uh, what is, um, you know, I, I could probably articulate an answer to this, and I think it all kind of, everybody has their own opinion on it. Um, what would you say the, the basic difference between a beer snob and a beer geek is? Beer snob and beer geek? Ooh. Huh. You know, I've never really thought about it, and it's, I know it's not fair to think of them as one and the same. Um, I would say, I think a beer geek has the basis in education and at least knows a little bit more about what they're talking about, but uh, whereas a beer snob could be someone who might not really know and just is kind of, you know, based on what they read or what they see other people do. Um, you know, I, I, I know some beer snobs personally that <laughs> don't really know what they're talking about and they're like, oh, this is a drain pour, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I would say education. I, w- I would definitely say education and tact. Impact, yes, yes, and and an attitude towards you know maybe maybe uh, beverages that you know I guess uh, what your what your buddy Greg what he says is yellow uh, yellow fizzy water. Exactly, exactly fizzy, fizzy yellow beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. No, that's, that's a great question. I've never heard that one, but I, <laughs> I, it it will be one I reflect on further. I guarantee. Yeah, I think I think there's a distinct difference that as the craft um, as the craft industry grows, we all need to start making a distinction between some people that are just. Uh, just rude at the end sure. of the day. Absolutely. Uh, well, we have that in all industries, and I think uh, that's where, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the golden rule, you know, and, and doing the right thing, you know, um, those are very important things, and I think humanity needs more 
level-headed people with integrity than um, than a lot of what we're seeing today. Yeah. Um, so going so going back to you know 2004 2005, looking back, were there any you know mistakes made or maybe just an unfortunate um, happenstance that maybe could have been avoided? Probably, um, you know, but back in those days, I mean, it was make beer and get it out the door as fast as you can because we couldn't keep up, you know. I mean, and we still, in, in, to, in, to a certain degree, can't do that. Uh, but the market has shifted so much. Things have changed. I mean, um, you know, I was 20, how old was I? That was 2005. So I was 26, not quite 27 yet when we opened. And, um, you know, I felt like I knew everything like any mid 20 year old guy so you're saying so, you're saying i got three years until i can open up my own brewery yeah okay, yeah, pro- shoot. yeah i, I yeah I, believe me if i look when i look back and look at how we did it and every i god we're fortunate beyond belief blessed i would say um but you know we we made a lot of mistakes i'm sure but you know we we didn't know they were mistakes at the time and it's really mistakes because we would do things differently now it's not necessarily a mistake um, you know, we just know more than we used to, um, you know, and I think we were able, our, our founding principle was make local beer and make it great. It's all we thought about. We didn't think about social media because it didn't exist. We didn't think about, uh, getting a branding company cause you didn't need it. We didn't think about, um, you know, all of these things that these new, a lot of these new breweries start up with full departments in. You know, we didn't have to think about that back then. It was make great beer and put it in someone's hand and sell it. That was it. It was that. It was that was the simple part. Was the sales. You know, there wasn't a crowded place where you're fighting for shelf space or or handles on the trees. You know, it was. Mm-hmm. It literally was all about the passion behind what we were doing, and just being able to brew beer was. That's all we really cared about. So you know, I think even though we might have made some some operational, you know, maybe some poor hires or some poor fires or some, uh, you know, bad choices in in direction. You know, at the end of the day, we knew where we were going as as a group, as a company, and uh, we stayed true to our principles. And and that that you really can't fault anyone for staying true to themselves. And I think that's what's guided us to be where we are now. You know, so, you know, I, I don't look at them as mistakes. I look at them more as moments that now I can reflect on and, and, and have learned from. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, now you mentioned you um, uh, talking about you know uh, marketing and branding earlier. Uh, I heard some news that you all will be rebranding soon, is that right? Yeah, we actually have a, uh, you spoke with Marsha, who's our marketing manager. Uh, it's our, our first time we've ever had anyone kind of fill that role. Um, you know, my wife and I have worn those hats for a, <laughs> every hat for a long time. Um, but yeah, we're doing this really more of a tune-up, you know, so the brands, you know, all the cans are going to change dramatically. Um, you know, we also, you know, wanted to retain a lot of our brand equity, so you'll see that uh, most notably in the in the, in the core logo. Um, you know, but we're really excited to launch that. I think June 1 is when it gets released to everyone. Um, you'll see our art has changed dramatically. <clears throat> the main reason is, you know, when we started canning, um, we were very illustrative you know, vector style art, you know, that was representative of Hawaii and um, no one else was doing that in packaging at the time and particularly no other Hawaiian brewer was doing that, Hawaiian or otherwise so-called Hawaiian brewer, I should say. Um, You know, fast forward to where we are now 
and nearly every brewery that is opened in Hawaii that has a package or breweries that were open before us that are packaging has jumped into our illustrative, artful uh, landscape or other Hawaiian images uh, in their art. So we decided to leave the space that we created and let them all live in that space and create our own new evolution. Uh, and so we're really excited at the direction that we've taken with the art. Okay, excellent. Now, in past interviews, I've uh, I've heard I've read that you that you consider Maui Brewing Company to be in a perpetual state of construction until 2018. It's <laughs> yeah. it's it's almost 2018. I mean, relative to what I was reading a couple of years ago. Um, sure. What, how how close are you to to whatever plans you had, and can you disclose some of those plans? Sure. So we're. We're pretty much two years away from that, so I think uh, I think I said through 2018. So um, you know, and that, that's that's great that you that you uh, recognize that. You know, and a lot of these things too. You know, I'm I'm 37 now. Um, you know, so having been doing this for you know over 11 years, I'm uh, God, almost 12 years. I'm you know I'm at a point where I'm really comfortable with what I like to do, and I want I want to focus on the things I love doing as opposed to a lot of the um, kind of the admin stuff that I've, I've been subjected to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think getting back in the brew house, you know, we're putting in the distillery and me spending time learning how to distill and, and taking courses and practicing. Um, those, those are the kind of some of the passionate things I have as well as, as the brand side of things and really communicating who we are as a company. Uh, there's certain things that I'm better at and, and things that I love and that's where I want to focus. So I don't mean that we'll stop growing as a company or stop building building things, but under under my direct, sure. like, hey, let's build this, I kind of feel like 2018 will be it, but in 2018, I guarantee you something will come up, and I'll be like, you know, it would be really fun, we should do this, and then I'll, I'll end up eating my own words. Um, but as far as the plans that you've heard me talk about were, of course, finishing this facility here in uh, Kihei, uh, and by 2018, it should be finished. You know, we, we've, of course, we've opened, and everything's operational, and the offices are done, and we're we're cool, but we already need to add more space to the building. We want to move the packaging over to a separate packaging hall. Uh, we're doing a $9 million, a little over $9 million solar project to, br- to take the brewery off-grid. Uh, we'll produce 100% of our electrical energy uh, and also have the batteries wow. here to store that energy. So we'll be uh, one of the greenest breweries in the planet. Um, well, hopefully that, hopefully that will alleviate the, the energy costs that you uh, alluded to earlier. It will. It, it will cost us a little over $9 million to do it. But, sure. yeah. um, you know, between the tax incentives and the financing with our, you know, our bank's been very supportive. Um, you know, we'll eventually pay that off and then that energy savings will come into play. Um, but, yeah, so that's one side. And then we're also, uh, we formed another division where we have a restaurant group. And that, that Maui Brewing Restaurant Group is opening uh, a location in Waikiki, uh, then the location here in Kihei, uh, and then we have a, uh, another location will be opened in Oahu, uh, and then we have to either relocate or remodel our facility over in uh, Lahaina, that is the brew pub currently. Uh, so we'll always keep a West Side pub, but we, we may not be in the same building. Uh, we may just look to move to uh, another one. But yeah, so those are those are the projects that are on the books through 2018, essentially. Okay. Now let, let's say yeah. uh, let's say I, I get the opportunity to go to Maui in the next you know month, two months, three months. Are there any events that are coming up that I need to go to? Absolutely. 
May 14th is the Maui Brewers Festival. Uh, it is the largest brew festival in the state. Uh, we have 40 breweries, 38 craft breweries uh, that we bring in um, to, in, in, you know, to showcase their beers. Uh, another thing we do is we don't allow flagship beers. Uh, so we, you know, if, if, if you're sold in Hawaii, you're not allowed to bring a flagship beer because we can get that all the time. We want you to try something different. And uh, that's been really well supported and well received by the uh, the attendees there because they love to see, you know, they might love Avery Brewing and love Avery IPA or White Rascal or, you know, Little Koi Capolo, but they want to try something that they can't get year-round. And that's an exciting thing for, uh, you know, perpetuating the, the thirst for craft beer and I think the excitement behind it as well. So, All right, you well... Know. Hey, I, I know I know you're a busy man, so I really do uh, appreciate you coming on and talking to me and um, allowing me to learn a little bit more um, about Maui. Uh, um, so well, I'm, cool. I'm happy to do it any time. I, like I said, I love talking beer, so it's yeah. uh, a great a great break have, in the day. Do you ever from, just uh, admin. do you ever just reflect back and think that you know, had you not made a decision in 2004 to do this, that you know, the island of Maui might not even be where it's at right now? I mean, does that just not boggle your mind a little bit? Yeah, it does. You know, I, I wonder if like someone else did or not. And I, we, we definitely changed, I think, history here. Um, what You know, the status quo here was one one larger brewery, you know, the CBA thing through yeah. Kona, and yeah. Kona wasn't fully owned by CBA at that point. It was a 2575. Um you know, but they dominated every part of what would be craft beer, but no one was talking about craft beer here. Uh, it was microbrew, and even, and even for them, it, they didn't even consider that. They focused on calling their beer local beer, and being that it was made in Portland and not here, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I found offensive, and that's what I found. The, that was my catalyst for actually doing that, because I, I drank their beer when I was here on vacations, and it was my catalyst for saying, well, why can't we do that? Why can't we make an authentic local Hawaiian craft beer, make a world-class one, and that'll resonate with the community. And I grew up in San Diego. I, at the time, I lived in San Francisco. So, you know, Brendan Moylan is, is a good friend of mine. Uh, and I used to sit at his bar in Tuesday, on Tuesdays and Thursdays when they had their dollar beer nights, drinking, you know, great craft beer in the Bay Area. You know, 21A, Thirsty Bear, Beach Chile back then was brewing. You know, so you had all these great beers. And I was like, dude, this is what we got to do in Hawaii. And we changed the landscape because we actually brought choice. We brought competition to a market that didn't have it. Uh, and that forced the change and that forced the education to be a, a big component of what we were all doing here. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty exciting to think that we had a hand uh, in changing the world here. And then, like I said, writing, writing different legislation, too. You know, I never, yeah, exactly. Never thought that, you know, I mean, it, you always grow up thinking, oh, well, that's the law, that's what you have to do, and there's no changing it, you know, and then you, you grow up a bit and you realize, well, I, my mind doesn't work that way anymore. My mind works like, well, if I don't like the law, then I'll change it, you know, I'll, I'll work, you know, there's got to be a, it's got to be a holistic, you know, benefit to the community. It can't be self-supported and it can't be one-sided, I mean, in, in my, at least in my opinion, although the government does that a lot, um, you know. It's you, instead of you know if you don't like the way something is change it and you know that's kind of the the idea that you know I have um, thankful that my dad was very supportive in uh, my early years my developmental years and making sure that I wasn't a um, as he would say I wasn't a follower I was always a leader 
and uh, that's important. So yeah. that gave me the confidence to do what I do. I like it. If you don't like how something is, change it. Thank you very yep. much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. You bet, brother. Right. Anytime. Take care. Aloha. We've come a long, long way together Through the hard times and the good I have to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should